Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the World Football Summit podcast. I am your host, Jaime, CMO at World Football Summit. On last week's episode, we talked about how Web3 had been one of the topics that was most quote-unquote present in the sports industry during 2022. Well, as we said during the intro, women's football has been equally, if not more, present. Arguably, we could consider it the other side of the coin, the positive note in the industry. As you can see in the article we published on our blog with the best quotes in 2022, women's football is experiencing unstoppable momentum and is headed for exponential growth. We will link to the article on the show notes. But while we fully agree with these conclusions, we wondered, is this true in all regions of the world? Well, during World Football Summit Africa, we notice the industry leaders are keen on growing the women's game and see it become as relevant as in Europe or North America. But the reality is there's still a long way to go. What does it need to thrive in the region? Today, we share a fantastic panel from WFS Africa in which Lola Ogumbote, head of women's football at Burnley FC and executive director at Goals for Girls, joins Tlopi Motsepe, chairman at the Mamelodi Sundowns, Romani Pinock, founder at Badgers Football Academy, and Paul Dreisbach, president and founder at Petrikor Football Association. They all take the stage in a brilliantly moderate conversation by Dr. Mariam Melosime Mbata, in which they discuss how to address the stereotypes still present in the continent around women's football, what is needed to grow the ecosystem, the importance of defining the legacy of the bid for the Women's World Cup in Africa, why investors should also dedicate financial resources to youth and grassroots programs. I personally enjoyed this panel so much because it touches the importance of growing women's football, not only from a business lens, but also it urges stakeholders to improve it from the people side. I honestly hope you enjoy it as well. Before I leave you with it though, if you do like the episode or the podcast, I would really appreciate if you could rate it and share it with other friends and colleagues. This will help us reach more people in the industry who could benefit from these or other episodes. And with that, enjoy this episode on growing women's football in Africa. So the first question I want to uh, pose to Roman is, what do you think are some of the gender stereotypes in sports? I think we see the classic ones like you've just mentioned yes. that women can't be hard or um, decisive uh, but I think what we see a lot in at a club level is mm -hmm. that women shouldn't be coaching mm -hmm. or refing. Uh, we've had our, uh, our our top refs ref games where parents are shouting mm -hmm. um, that is oh, she's a woman that's why she made that decision and it's the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, everyone will always say the ref made the wrong decision, <laughs> but to gender it yes. is unnecessary. Yes. Um, and yeah, we, I think we see a lot of that at, at a club level okay. unnecessarily. Yes, yes, yes. I've seen uh, the other day I hosted a tournament, a corporate tournament, and I said, I want to have an all referee women team. And one of the gentlemen said, all the women got married during COVID. Uh, and I thought to myself, does getting married mean you can't do your job, you know? So 
Indeed, you're right. Sometimes in refereeing and coaching, you know, we find that women are not, uh, somehow they, are, they shouldn't be there. But actually, when you give them a, a good sport, then they, they do a good job at it, you know. And uh, maybe uh, Laura can tell us, have you experienced uh, such scenarios as a, a sports personality? Have you experienced being stereotyped? Yeah, I think um, most women in the game can reel off experiences, sadly, of mm -hmm. um, differential treatment based on their gender. I think for me, my experiences um, of that happened during my time coaching in China um, and just perceptions on what and who a woman should be and where their place should be mm -hmm. um, was kind of startling for me as a coach. And when you're coaching, at the time I was coaching adolescent boys, and um, that's a nuance in and of itself, whoever, okay. whoever's coaching that group. Um, but I remember walking onto the field and just feeling that kind of amazement that I was there. It was almost like, well, who are you? Are you here to give us our kit? Like, what, mm. what, is, your, what is your role here? Mm. And I remember just trying to be as... I can be quite a fiery personality and I mm. knew that that wasn't going to resolve the situation. And mm. so we just played football. And I think um, that's one of the beauties of the sport in and of itself is that it can remove those barriers. And once they had understood that I could play the game equally, mm. if not better than mm. they could, mm -hmm. they were open to my coaching style. Mm. And um, should that always be the case? Probably not. It mm. should just be that I'm here to coach and that should be it. But mm. I think there's an opportunity for a lot of people in those positions to use it as a teaching moment rather than take it so personal yeah. and for it to become a negative experience. Mm. We, we obviously all want to be in a world where it's not even a discussion. We don't even have to talk about it in an mm. ideal world, but mm. we're not quite there yet. And so in this time period, um, I think it's important to reflect what can you do to turn that situation from a negative into a positive. Wow, brilliant, brilliant, Laura. I mean, it, it's always uh, for women when you go in a space and you you find yourself uh, probably in a space where you're uniquely uh, alone, uh, probably as a woman or as a, you know something that you're better off than others in that sport. Sometimes it's kind of like it's like it's so real. You're thinking, is it is it real or not? But I think that at that moment, as a woman, you have an opportunity to be confident enough to, uh, you know, demystify again this yeah. uh, being stereotyped, you know, and and I must say congratulations on leading, uh, you know, some of the teams that you talk about in your profile. Well done. Uh, I would like to go to the gentlemen. I know I will not say they are, they are culprits, but I'm sure. <laughs> I would like to know, really, has, have you ever at one point, uh, you know, found yourself in a situation where uh, maybe you might have said something and later uh, nobody's going to judge you because even men, sometimes they don't know they are doing it. They don't know that, uh, for example, if you were to find a woman in, in, in such a sport and all you can talk about is her beauty, you know, all you can talk about is her body, that you actually, uh, you know, offending that person and stereotyping the woman. How about getting to know her better in terms of what knowledge does she have? What experience does she have? Have you found yourself in such a situation or have you found 
you know, yourself with other men who do such things and how have you done, uh, what have you done to solve it or how have you addressed it? Maybe I can address the chairman himself. <laughs> no, it's, it's an important question to raise, uh, doctor, you know, whether it was a positive or, or not, when we had uh, COVID and we were all forced to move to uh, digital and we all had to work from home in different Zoom environments, mm. uh, you pick up these, these small tendencies of maybe the, the men in the forum who, who show some signs of, like you say, not, ne not even knowing that they maybe are being yeah. um, chauvinistic, if we can use that term, yeah. you know, where they talk over a woman in the Zoom discussions. You know, a, a woman is having an idea, sharing a point, and uh, somebody else will interject quickly and say, no, no, but we, we should, you know, maybe do something like this. Those happen quite frequently uh, on, the, on the calls, on the Zooms. And in my position, it was always an opportunity to, to correct mm. uh, those men in the forum who, who weren't giving the lady an opportunity to speak. Yeah. Uh, and it's important for everybody in the forum when something like that happens, because first of all, you, you re-correct the direction of the conversation. Yeah. You show the men in the, in the forum that the ideas and the voices of the women in our team are important. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you <clears throat> build confidence within the women in our team as well to say, you know, this idea is important and this yeah. idea should be heard. Mm. So it's those subtle ways that, you know, you pick it up. It's, it's no longer, and we're very lucky at Mamlodi Sanand, it's, no, it's not as blatant as... <coughs> as you may, have, you may expect or you may think, but it's still there mm. in those forms. And it's about picking it out and changing it immediately when you see the bad behaviors. And obviously, you know, celebrating and enforcing good ideas from women in the group and yeah. enforcing good behaviors from some of the men who also want to show positive, you know, yeah. behavior towards yeah. the women. Thank you very much, Yaman. I think you're very right. Speaking out is one of the ways that we can truly address this issue. Yeah. I don't know, what are your thoughts, Paul, on this? <clears throat> yeah, um, while you were talking, I thought about uh, a story from a recent league we did in Cameroon, and the refing team was uh, a woman at the center ref and two linesmen for the, the lines. And before the game, they all stood behind the banner to take pictures, but the photographer told the woman to go on the outside on the very edge and put the two men in the middle as a prominent space, I guess, I wasn't really sure. And they were taking these pictures and I was like, wait, why? No, 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 this, she's the center ref, put her in the middle. She's the one in control of this game. And it like, the, the guy was just like, what? It just didn't even cross his mind because it's so ingrained. Oh, the man must be in charge. Like he's the one and they're like, no, no, no. The woman's the center ref, she's in control of this game. She should be in the middle. Um, so it's a simple, I just thought about the story with things that happen just subconsciously with some of the communities um, and vendors we work with that come in as a part of what we do. Because Petrocor, we're very conscious of, you know, how you address these things and uh, bring in equality to the table. So the people we work with, we also try to help integrate that uh, mindset. Wonderful. Um, what do you think, uh, Paul, back to you again. Well, what do you think uh, stereotyping women uh, results into, especially when it comes to opportunities and all that? Yeah, specifics, um, specifically to sport, I think it's mm. difficult because 
the stereotypes, at least that we encounter in Cameroon, often keep the girls at home or late to practice or training, or even if they can come to training, because multiple siblings come home from school and the boy can go directly to training, but the girl has to do chores or whatever. And if they let her go, they'll go later. Um, but we've really helped work with the mindset of families to say like, the values you can learn in sports should be equal and really showing the value as we've been doing this for a while, because at least where we work, you have to show it for them to believe it. And yeah. so we said, look, you can learn these characteristics through sport and these values of leadership and confidence. And they're like, oh yeah, sounds great, but nothing changed. So over the few years, we've gradually shown as these girls are growing up and becoming leaders and confident and, and just great future leaders in the sport and in Cameroon, that families are now saying like, okay, yeah, you can school, practice. You know, they see the value of it. But it took, it's taking a long time. It's still not easy, but it takes a while to kind of change that. Brilliant. And I think that, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, beginning uh, to tackle this situation, we must involve both male and female. Yeah. It's not just a solution for women to keep speaking up, keep speaking up. It's also the other way that men really need to, you know, put their foot down, especially for, towards those that are really, uh, are, you know, being biased about women. And sometimes, uh, like the chairman said, sometimes it's sad when uh, it's even from the top leadership, you know, and it again denies women a lot of opportunities because if you're in a boardroom and you're making decisions about even women football, and first of all, the women are not even part of that dis decision making. And then already you're making decisions for them. Already men don't understand our bodies. They don't understand our capabilities. It's so important to have a table that is already showing that uh, women are, are capable of making that decisions. I don't know, Chairman, how is your organization or your club dealing with uh, this kind of situation? No, Doctor, I think what you're saying is, is such an important point, you know. The, it, it's, it's difficult even to say it sometimes, yes. but a big reason why we're not seeing women in these leadership roles yes. or you know, having their voices heard mm -hmm. is exactly like you said, it's because a lot of the power still sits with the men. Yes. And, um, you know, so men are a big part of the problem mm. in terms of not having the woman's voice heard on certain matters in the boardroom and in terms of even promoting the game. But I also think with that being said, <clears throat> men can be part of the solution. Um, you know, Must. I had a chat. I beg your pardon? Must be part of the solution. Men must be part of the solution. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Romani. Yeah. You, you have examples like um, in FIFA, you know, the most powerful man in football, Gianni Avantino, his general secretary of FIFA is an African woman, mm. you know, Miss uh, Fatima Sumara. Just next to me now, uh, you know, um, Lola was telling me about her chairman at Burnley, mm. but she was he, she was saying he's a very progressive and, you know, he listens to what his head of women's football is saying. So mm. here's a living example right next to me of yes, yes. good, good examples of what we should be doing. Yeah. And you see more of it and more of it being done in different organizations. Yeah. At Mamilodi Sundowns, um, I'm very happy to say that you know, we, we've taken a, a more aggressive role in, in getting women involved in different and important departments of our football club yeah. you know um, decision makers our deputy chairperson is a woman mm -hmm. the chairperson of our whole supporter <coughs> mobilization for a unit so 
the chairperson of all the supporters of Mamelodi Sundowns hmm. across the country is a woman. Um, we recently, six months, four six months, we had an internship program where we were trying to bring in young people to the football club. Yeah. Uh, and five people were given an opportunity to work at our football club. Four of them are women. Yeah. Uh, the heads of our marketing, production, social media mm. uh, are all women. And, and they're doing an amazing job for our football club in, in helping us speak to a mm. different audience and also mm. helping us change the tra trajectory of our football club and making them more responsible mm. and, and the right decisions for our women's team and for the promotion of the game. Oh, thank you, Chairman. I think uh, Romani said it very well. Men must be part of this, of this transition because we cannot leave each other behind. And, uh, and it's also probably a good, a good pointer to remind ourselves that men and women are not competitors. We complement each other, you know. So when we look at it that way, then we understand that uh, women have a lot of strength that probably men don't have and vice versa. And so if we are able to have uh, a scenario where it's no longer, oh, let's give women 30% of, it should be 50% so that we are all growing together and making uh, this world better. And uh, maybe to, to uh, talk about the South African bid for the Women World Cup, uh, and I'll direct this to Laura and Romani. Uh, you know, FIFA World Cup, when it came to South Africa, of course, it was a big boost for the continent and the country as, as well. And uh, there was a lot of uh, boom in terms of economic benefits. Uh, there's uh, a report that puts it at 0.4% at increment. And of course, uh, the world got to know so much that uh, we didn't know about Africa and South Africa. And I believe that even having this uh, summit here today is because of that result of the World Cup. I'm just wondering uh, what lessons uh, do we, should South Africa carry forward as they prepare to uh, you know, bid for the South Africa, for, for World Cup for women here in uh, 2027. Do you think that there are lessons that they should pick from, because it cannot always, it's not always all rosy. Uh, I know that uh, it's a fact that so many host countries remain with almost ghost stadiums and infrastructure. What lessons should South Africa carry forward in, in preparation to maybe Romani, you can take that on first. I think World Cups are great ways for countries to say, hello world, we're doing fine, mm -hmm. Qatar. Uh, we're not doing fine. Mm -hmm. Our economy is struggling. People at an individual level are struggling. Mm -hmm. We have some of the highest gender-based violence in the world. Yeah. Women's football is not supported enough. Mm. Um, I think if we think about hosting a World Cup, maybe we shouldn't say, hello world, we're doing fine. Maybe mm -hmm. we could integrate a bid into strategies that address that head mm. on, mm. that the strategies that look at women's football long term, at getting the funding into the right places, mm. mm. um, anti-corruption strategies, mm. uh, and then facing gender-based violence head on. Mm. Um, at our biggest issue is access. How do we get our girls safely mm. to football, mm -hmm. which a lot of other places struggle with as well, other countries. Mm. If we're going to host a World Cup, and we're going to inspire millions of girls mm. to play football. Yes. We have to look at how they can get to football yes. and if they can get quality coaching and if 
people are trained in safeguarding so that mm. our girls are safe. Yes. Um, I would say, you know, let's face the dirty when mm. we talk about a World Cup. That's true. Um, and not put band-aids over everything yes. and say that we're okay. Oh, that, well, that, that makes a lot of sense because it, it would be unfortunate actually to host a World Cup and later the people still struggling terribly. You know, women are being abused, like you're saying. If we can, if South Africa can find a way of dealing with some of these issues and, you know, you, so that we don't host people and, you know, our, our, our dirty linen is still right there in front of us. So that's definitely something I'm sure the authorities who are responsible uh, have heard and had it quite clear and loud. Uh, Alola, I don't know, what are your opinions on, on, on the question? Yeah, just, just as you were uh, speaking and as Romani was speaking, I think um, for me, the word is legacy. Yes. So you bring a World Cup, yes. it happens, and then what next? What yes. is the legacy of that World Cup? Mm. Are we providing uh, as a result of hosting, yes. more opportunities for girls to play, more access. Mm. Um, are we investing in our grassroots clubs mm. that will inevitably feed um, pro clubs in the end? Mm. Uh, are we investing in referees, in coaches, mm. in women who can govern the game? We know that they're capable, mm. but we know that the, the issue really, at least to my mind, is the lack of opportunities. Mm. And so if a World Cup comes, which I hope it does, um, are, are we, is South Africa in a position to host it? We know they can, they did it in 2010, mm. but what's the, what's the legacy? What do mm. we do afterwards mm. and what is the plan? And I think that's probably um, the most specific thing that needs to be addressed. We're going to mm -hmm. have this World Cup, it, we're going to bring the world to us, mm -hmm. but then what do we leave our people behind when mm. everyone else has gone home? Well, that, that, that's, that's very deep because uh, if it's Women's World Cup, and we are talking about stereotypes, we're talking about gender-based violence, we, we want women to get more pay, can we see a South Africa that's going to have uh, women footballers paid more, I mean, an equal pay to the men? Can we see a South Africa that is going to lead in terms of, you know, a, a opportunities for women? You know, in the in the sports world, is it is it possible to see that? Do you think, Chairman, such things can happen? Yes, I do think so. I mean, we right now the South African Men's Premier Soccer League is one of the most developed football leagues in the continent. Mm. It generates, uh, it probably has some of the highest broadcasting numbers and revenues in the continent in terms mm. of viewership. So there's definitely a model that can be followed, mm. uh, but. On the other side of that, the money comes uh, from sponsors, mm. from people who are willing to get involved in the game. Mm. Uh, you know, Romani and what, um, what, what Paul are doing in terms of developing the, the football at a lower level and making sure that the talent is growing mm. is an important part in making sure that when they come to the big clubs or the pro clubs, the quality of football is there, mm. so the entertainment value is there. And I'm mm. sure that they're going to take care of that because, uh, you know, already we're seeing women's AFCON, women's Champions League, the standard mm. of football and the quality is, is exceptional and it's very good. Yeah. Um, but again, I say equality and getting the ladies more money is, is possible if we make sure that the right sponsors and the right partners are, are there mm. in terms of bringing the broadcasting revenues mm. to, the, to the table. 
it's it's definitely possible. And I think in Africa, sorry, I have a I have a butterfly flying by me. Maybe that's a <laughs> that's another sign they're saying that's possible. But um, in Africa, I think the talent and the passion for football, and especially women's football. Mm. It's, it's there in ample supply. Mm. So we definitely need to just um, make sure that, you know, the right people and the right partners mm. see the value in that. And I suppose it goes back to the basis of this whole talk, yeah. the stereotypes. Yeah. We have to break the stereotypes around women's football. Yeah. And there are even stereotypes um, on the business side of, of women's football. People yeah. still don't think that women's football is entertaining. Yeah. That's a stereotype that they think, you know. Yes, yes. And but you look at the numbers and they say otherwise. Yeah. And 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 you wanna say something, Ramon? Yeah, I just thought to add um the thing about if you can look at women's football in a quite financial way and just forecast it and you can see where men's football has gotten to in terms of revenues and profitability on the sponsoring side and if you look at women's football here and on the continent as in that the sort of startup mode like okay what is this going to look like in 10 20 years it's going the same way mm -hmm. um, so it it's obviously a good idea for investors to get in early but i also think um to mine and paul's uh, stress is that often the lower level football, the grassroots work mm -hmm. is not sexy to sponsor because it's not going to be on television and yeah. it might not produce maybe, right. you know, 1% stars or something like that. So yeah. um, as a country, as FAs, I think we really need to look at women's football holistically mm -hmm. and say, yes, at the top, we can make money. Let's make sure something's getting to the bottom so that the whole ecosystem yeah. can work effectively. That that is. I'm sorry, Doctor. I hope yes. you don't mind. That no. is such a powerful point. Yes. I don't know. Can we even applaud what what Romani just said, please? <laughs> I, I feel like that is just. Yeah. No. Brilliant. I, absolutely, I agree entirely with what she, what she's saying. You know, and maybe it even goes back to what Lola and, and you were speaking about in Romani around the World Cup legacy. Yes. Right. If we're gonna have a, a women's World Cup in Africa. Um, we need to, as Romani and Lola were saying, we need to make sure that we have a clear plan as to what we want to achieve after yes. the fact. Yes. And I don't know if 2010 is the, the best example to look at in terms of what South Africa can do in the Women's World Cup in the right. future. Perhaps we should look at what happened in the Women's Euros yes. in England or mm. what happened in 2019 mm. in France, mm. because both of those countries had programs mm. that were focused on women and the youth, yes. and they benefited immensely, and they grew the game after, mm. the, after the competition was long gone. Yes. So maybe that's where we should also be looking for lessons in terms of how we can really build yeah. on what we do here. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's true, because uh, we cannot, I mean, 2010 has been uh, a whole 10 years past you know and I, it's definitely important to look at other you know big events that have happened so that we can also pick on some pointers and and definitely also still go back to the old books and see yes where did did we go wrong as south africa in 2010 or where did we go right and build on to what we have and what we are seeing out there to leave a legacy again, once again, like Laura said. Uh, let me go to Paul and ask, uh, you talked when we were at the backstage, you talked so much about, you know, strategy. What is the strategy to be able, to, for us to be able to overcome the stereotype deep down into the grassroots? Because we, at the top, we, we have so many success stories, you know, and uh, we're seeing women in the boardroom, we are seeing, you know, 
There's a time in, uh, I, w I was invited for a sports conference in, in East Africa. I don't want to mention names, but I, I went to this conference and uh, at forum like this, there were only men seated at the, at the stage. And for a minute, I thought I'd come for a men's conference, you know? Mm. And when I was given, I, I, you know, pushed and pushed until I was given an opportunity to speak. And I made sure I alerted the men, look here, if you're really talking about sports and talking about how you lack sponsorship, in this era, there's nowhere you're going to knock doors and uh, not have women on board and expect to be supported, you know? But as much as we see some progress now, we can have, we can be here, and there are women, more women even than men, talking about football. Uh, down in the grassroots, there's still a problem. And Paul talked about strategy. What strategy were you talking about, Paul? Yeah, with Petrocor, um, I mean, this is a very complex problem on one side, but it's also very simple. We need better programs, a better approach to this problem, mm -hmm. um, and like she said, we must be a part of that. I think this space needs men that understand the problem and are a part of it in a responsible way that elevate women in leadership um, in multiple different layers. Uh, as far as Petrocore and our strategy, we're focusing on that entry level age. So like eight years old, you know, when they enter Petrocore programs, they mm -hmm. see women in leadership, they see role models, they, you know, they, we bring in different uh, female athlete ambassadors and people from the national team or Spain or whatever. Um, and that's who they look to, you know, so they, we try to provide exposure to what they can be someday, because mm -hmm. it's not me, hopefully, you know, so we're trying to bring in people that uh, they can aspire to be like someday. So we try to do that from, you know, eight years old onwards. Mm -hmm. And then as those girls grow up, the ones coming under see their bigger sisters, you know, as a role model. And we just kind of keep that cycle going. Mm -hmm. And hopefully the girls that go graduate through the entire program become leaders of Petrocore someday. Mm -hmm. So we can just kind of take ourselves out of it and step back. So my strategy each time I'm in Cameroon is to take one more step back mm -hmm. and allow more space for the women that we have and that we're working with. Mm -hmm. So I think each scenario might be a little different, but as far as Petrocore, that's kind of how we approach it, just to pull ourselves out Mm -hmm. one step at a time. Mm -hmm. um, we've been doing it for about five years and we've got some great young leaders coming up we're excited about. So yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. Yes. So I hear you very well talking about uh, stepping back and giving uh, women or young girls the opportunity to lead and, you know, even to just make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that uh, men worry about or the top leaders worry about is that put a woman in the spotlight, she's going to make mistakes. But I think mistakes are okay because then we learn from mistakes at some point, you know. And also, I think uh, we had a discussion with uh, either Romania talking about education because uh, when we don't give women opportunity to, you know, to learn and to get knowledge, then it also becomes an issue for us to give them the space to, to, to lead and take on things. So uh, uh, do you have a program where in your organization where you, you're training women and giving them the opportunities to become leaders? Mm. Uh, um, I'm just going to take one step back yes. to the... Uh, before I talk about education, just about um, diversity, the yes. education of diversity, yes. which I think is a broader discussion than gender. Mm -hmm. And in this country in particular, mm -hmm. we are really good at othering, mm -hmm. whether it's gender or race or class. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you know are you foreign or not in south africa there's you know there'll be the stereotypes with that are you mm. part of the lgbt community mm. um and and it's deep set in south africa and it's mm. left over from apartheid but it's perpetuated even by global politics yeah. local politics yeah. so you know when we talk about stereotypes and gender i think we must also look broader at this fear of differences yeah so yes anyone's going to make a mistake in a role yeah um is that really the problem or is it that is you're it? nervous <laughs> to hire someone that you wouldn't know how to make a conversation with them because they're so different to okay. you yeah, um true, true. and if we can get through that through yes. education yeah i think we can we can change countries yeah. because and and the great thing about football is mm. that we're all the same yes. when we're out there yes. except for you our captain yes. Yes. our boss <laughs> But, you know, the, it, mm. it levels us yes, and we can use that as the, the education step mm. to say it doesn't matter who you are. When you're out here, we're all the same and yes, we've got yes. the same goal. Yes, yes. Um, so I think it's, it's team sports, such a powerful tool it in is. that regard. Yeah. So whatever education system you plug in, yes. you can just use the sport. Okay. Can There's I just add, add to that? Yes. Um, just as, as Romani was, was speaking, I think also that education starts at home, yes. um, particularly uh, I can speak from my experience. Um, my parents are African Nigerian and had no interest in me playing football. Mm. Um, and so for us, the, the, the education has to be from the caregivers. Mm -hmm. You can give a girl all the education she wants, but if she's in an environment where um, she's unable to actually think those things and believe those things and mm. possess those ideas, mm. uh, it becomes a very hostile environment because yes. you're battling against your caregivers, yes. your yes. providers. And I think yes. for us, uh, through the NGO that I run with Goals for Girls, we take time to bring in parents. Mm. Um, through the COVID pandemic, we did programming online like mm. so many uh, different organizations had to do mm. and we we invited our, our girls to bring their mums along yes and we programmed with them together yes. and um i'm not sure that that made any long-lasting change but what it did is it provided a, a caregiver a primary mm. caregiver an insight into what we're teaching her girl mm. and if we can get her to buy into it mm. it's more likely that she'll help her daughter buy into it and yeah. thereby then we can work on the family yeah. as a unit if yeah. that is the situation at home yeah. and so i think that education does begin at home it, yeah. it begins with with those individuals that, that are caring for the child mm. and then we also to romani's point then have to empower that child to, to act on what knowledge yes. or, or education that, that we're providing as well Perfect. I think education is a, a key element in all in most of us uh, challenges in sports as an Africa as Africa, and uh, I believe that it's also high time that we invested in our education, uh, sports education systems because uh, first of all our education is uh, education in terms of sports is quite costly, especially when it comes to uh, developed countries. So if you can be able to provide uh, these uh, facilities or trainings or courses in a much more affordable and accessible way, then some of these problems I think we can be overcome with time, you know. And we hope that you can be ambassadors of anti-stereotypes. Women are amazing, they are good at their work, they need opportunities, and they can do amazing and fantastic work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have them. Lola, Tlopi, Romani, Paul, and Dr. Mbata. With a true masterclass around the challenges that women's football is facing in Africa and how to overcome them. What were the key takeaways for me? Well, first off, 
Growing the game is about growing the ecosystem in general and removing stereotypes from all levels. Second, the youth and grassroots programs are essential to grow the women's game in the future. It's not only about investing in the professional aspect of it, but from the ground up. I would be curious to know your opinion on both the episode or the podcast in general. So feel free to reach out on social media and let us know. Before we go, remember, you can subscribe and rate the podcast on the platform of your choice. And now you can watch all the panels from WFS Africa on our official YouTube channel. Nothing else from my side. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the World Football Summit Podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and we hope to see you next time.